Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. You know, for all of the relentless crap that uh, Vancouver fans, I, I, I maintain unduly give Red Wings fans over Zadina versus Hughes. You know, like if anyone just mentions Zadina, you'll get Vancouver fans in your mentions like, oh, but Quinn Hughes is better. You choked idiots. You stupid idiots. A curse onto your bloodline. You're like, oh, all right, just chill out. Or if like someone brings up Kale McCarr, it's like they're all there. And I just, it, it builds up this biggest urge for me to troll them so much whenever like anything goes remotely wrong with Quinn Hughes. And obviously I don't have a lot of ground to stand on here. Quinn Hughes is fantastic, but like the whole, he's not been good at defense this year. Like the defensive part of the game, he's just not been good at. I'm so tempted so often to just troll the hell out of them and just pick at that like an asshole. But then I remembered Jim Benning let Troy Stetcher come to Detroit for free. And I think all is all is even, all is square. Scream all you want. We get Troy Stetcher for $1.7 million for the next two seasons. How fantastic. Did Jim Benning actually say he doesn't call free agents? Is that real? I believe that's a real quote, but let me look it up because I wouldn't be surprised if that's something someone made up. That, that could also be like... Uh, out of context quote too where there's like a larger story missing from that but uh it's not on out the of internet the- no i don't call free agents i show up at their house <laughs> yeah exactly it could be it could be something like that um yeah the vancouver canucks right now with quinn hughes and elias Pettersson are like that you, you, let's say you live in a in a decent neighborhood a lot of nice houses and then there's that one house at the end of the street. It's basically a shack. All the windows are boarded up, but it's got a Lamborghini in the driveway. That's the Canucks right now. They're in a bad place. They're in a bad place. And they are, I'm telling you, they are not equipped to handle this emotionally. No, I will never forgive Canucks fans for what they did to Roberto Luongo. Ever. Ever. And he got them to game seven of the cup finals and, and oh my God, he, he played poorly that game. We're going to screw that guy. I mean, he, you scored zero goals that game. I think that part gets overlooked, but uh, yeah. I do enjoy how much they still hate Mark Messier though. That is fun. I, I didn't really know that was a thing until maybe a year ago, how much they hated him. And then I started watching some old like clips of them hating him. And it's amazing. It might be one of the greatest, um, Hatreds in sports. I can't think today. It's Sunday evening. <laughs> the the Red Wings don't really have a player like that, though, eh? Like, not like we all have our Claude Lemieux, Lemieux, but like, no, but a player who played for the Red Wings. That no, were we not just as like universal. Yeah, no. no like, uh, I was listening to another podcast with uh, Down Goes Brown, and and they were talking about that, and he was. They brought up a bunch of examples, and um, obviously, it got to Mark Messier in Vancouver. Um, when uh, Shane Corson and Darcy Tucker first got to Toronto and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the Red Wings don't have that guy. At least if, if anyone listening has a good answer to this, let me know. But yeah, I'm coming up with nothing. The closest thing I can think of, and it's not even mildly sports related, is how much r slash free folk, the Game of Thrones subreddit, will never stop railing against season eight and what D&D did to that show. Like just relentless and i i'm very much of the same mind they they messed up that show so badly um but it's the same kind of pure visceral hatred where you're like i think a hundred years down the line they're still gonna be doing this and you you do have to respect a a dedication to a bit oh yeah thousand percent 
All right. Uh, back to Red Wings hockey here. Oh, Fun found, day. Never found the quote, huh? <laughs> no, no, I certainly did not. <laughs> well, I was hoping we'd skate past that. We'll get that <laughs> cease and desist in the uh, in the mail sent out to yeah. you, Ryan. Actually, the full quote is, I don't call free agents mean names. This is a tough time in their life, and we try to work out a reasonable agreement. Otherwise, I wish them the best. That's. I think that's the full <laughs> quote. <laughs> Maybe that was from the Bible. Who knows? Um, this is the Winged Wheel podcast. We talk about Red Wings hockey and just whatever other random brain garbage comes to mind. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad the Weekday Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, if Evan seems especially emo today, he's let us know that he's had a bad day house hunting. Um, I didn't even house hunt. That's the thing. <laughs> there was no hunting. The animal was already killed. Before you even were able to go see it. Yeah. Yeah. This is why you don't get excited about things. This is why I'm dead on the inside and outside. Yeah. For for those who don't like when we do like tangents to talk about our personal lives, there's lessons weaved in here. This is Red Wings fandom. So <laughs> Evan, when he was told he would go see a house this morning, that was Red Wings fans every off season, hoping that maybe this year where they'd break through and the house being bought uh before he could even get there was Mark Stahl on defense. It's exactly it. I was way too excited for this house, and I was a little bit too optimistic about the Red Wings season before it started, and here I am. Just just numb. Just numb. I I made that joke about Mark Stahl, which is ironic, because today he had his best game of, the, of his uh, season and time with Detroit, and also happened to be, I'm going to do a little numbers nerding here, the, the fourth best uh, game score, single game performance by any Red Wing all season fourth best <laughs> today really was the upside down it yeah it, it truly was the upside down day the um, red the red wings came into this game on a nine game losing streak the eight four, or nine eight or nine d- d- does it really make a difference at that point yeah that's so I mean, no yeah <laughs> and uh the they were playing the florida panthers who somehow were the last team in the entire nhl without a regulation loss so, of course, the Red Wings would have a fairly convincing win because that's how today went. And the Kansas City Chiefs are imploding as we speak. But that's, a you know, hmm, we're not going to talk about that today. It's not enough that uh, this podcast started shitposting. It's funny that the team started doing it, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, bizarre day. Like moments before the game, we got word that Mantha was not to play. With no other explanation other than Blasio saying, I'll address it after the game. At which point you're like, that could be a lot of things. Um, and we'll get to that later. Uh, immediately there's speculation. Trade, 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 trade. And it's just like, look, guys, this is the NHL. It's never that exciting. It's always like he slept in, was late to practice. You know, they took a family member hostage because that is absolute murder in terms of NHL. <laughs> like what you do on a team. Um <sighs> Just a hilarious game against a team that was way better than them. I thought did way better than them last time. Um, and yeah, the the Red Wings showed up when it mattered. Florida just had that random off game. And the same way where Detroit was the first team to beat Vegas, even though they sucked hard, it was kind of the same thing. Like Detroit, first team to beat Florida in regulation. Mark Stahl with a beautiful goal to, to activate off the blue line <laughs> to score. That was something for him to pinch up the half wall uh send the pass pack to stature and instead of retreating like every other defenseman on the red wings would do he's like nah i'm gonna go to the net which is something no red wing has done at any point this season and i I might be saying that literally because i can't remember it happening once 
And Stetcher sees the seam, gives it to him, and Puck hits him in the knee, bounces around a bit, and Mark Stahl staring at an empty net. one nothing Detroit. That was so out of left field, I didn't even know how to respond. I'm like, I've spent the entire year shitting on Mark Stahl, and now I've got to post a tweet breaking down why what he did was excellent. <laughs> I'm telling you. Stetcher stall works. And is it because Stetcher carries him in a hundred different ways? Yeah, absolutely. Like Stetcher is doing the heavy lifting there. But hey, if you can not only be a good defenseman, but neutralize what is otherwise a liability on defense, that is your your value doubled. Um, there was a clip posted when Stetcher was mic'd up. The Red Wings posted this. Um, I love mic'd up videos. And uh, Stetcher got the puck at the blue line and Stahl was kind of crowding him. And Stetcher was trying to like uh, to flip the two defense. He was trying to get them to flip. And Mark Stahl, who's a veteran of the NHL, has been around for a long time. And at one point in his career, this would have come naturally to him. He was just – he didn't move. And Stetcher immediately went, walk, 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 telling him to walk the blue line and moving move away from him so Stetcher could feed him the puck. And it's like you look at that, like the eye test, and then you look at the the underlying numbers and you're like, yeah, by all accounts, Stahl on his own isn't doing well on the ice. But Stetcher and Stahl as a pairing is doing well. And that is absolutely um, – we got this asset for free from Vancouver for under $2 million a year Troy Stetcher's doing. Brad, you tweeted this and I thought it was completely correct. He's hands down Detroit's best defenseman right now, and it's not close. Yeah, no, there is no debate for anybody else. It, absolutely none. He's doing everything you'd want. He's solid defensively. He seems to be literally the only Red Wings defenseman who can consistently make a um, effective breakout pass. Um, his work, specifically his footwork on the offensive blue line is something to behold that he has this start, stop, start, cut move that he does to his strong side and you know it's coming, but he gets the defender to bite on it so often. And he doesn't have the dynamic ability to be able to make those plays a la Akela McCarr and then like walk into the slot and rip one bar down or dance through a couple guys. That's just not in Stetcher's toolkit. But what for what he does have, he uses everything super effectively to absolute perfection. Someone was tweeting out like, Red Wings right side for the next 10 years, uh, Philip Hronick, Mo Sider, Troy Stetcher, LOL. And I'm sitting there going, yeah, but maybe. But maybe. <laughs> yeah, but you maybe. You know Iserman's going to try to keep Stetcher. Like, he doesn't want him gone when he's 28. He's going to try to keep him through 33. Yeah, and unlike the rest of the team, he signed beyond this year. Only one extra year, but still, he's on a two-year contract. He's only 26 years, 26 years old. And the way he plays, he could go to 33, 34, 35 and still be competent, obviously a bottom pair towards the end there. And given that he doesn't put up huge statistical numbers, I don't foresee him ever getting a massive contract. I mean, we talk about Sider and Heronic being the future uh, in the top four on the right side, and it's, it's probably right. I mean, Stetcher would be the perfect guy to slot in behind him because in the event one of those guys ever gets injured, yeah, Stetcher can step up and fill in admirably. Right now, Hironik's having a down year and Stetcher's like, nah, man, this is my team now. I mean, Stetcher's still like fifth amongst Red Wings defensemen in ice time, but we all know where that problem lies. Um, it's just, it's remarkable. $1.6 million. Vancouver said, nah. Like... <laughs> I can't. One point seven, I believe. One point seven, same thing. It's that's too much. I, I can't wrap my head around. <laughs> I, but yeah. So I mean, in a in a very horrific season thus far, he's 
him and Philip Zadina have probably been the two big bright spots, truthfully. Like, consistent bright spots. Uh, yeah, Zadina's first game back was on Thursday, which was Detroit's game against Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Friday. Uh, this, Thanks, Friday, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Friday night, uh, that was their eighth straight loss, I believe, 3-1. And you know what? They didn't, they didn't play an awful game, but there was – yeah, Zadina was their best player that game. And it was crazy because as he came back, you're like, this guy had COVID. Like, this guy is, was sick. Did and, he have yeah, COVID did, or was he just in the protocol? I thought he had it. Anyways, maybe I'll, I'll add an asterisk. I'm not entirely sure. But he was talking about how he like has like had to recover, feels better now. Like, I oh, believe okay. he had it. I think um, Fabry did too. I saw something about Fabry slowly yeah. recovering. And you know, it affects each player differently. And these guys are young and spry. So by all accounts, they're expected to recover. But still, you'd expect some rust. Man, Zadina slotting in on Friday in a game that was otherwise, you know, not my favorite game to watch. Um, he was the, the driver of a lot of the strong points, like you said. Really, really bright spot. You're talking about a guy, if he continues like this and, and plays the full season, manages to stay healthy, like... I think he'll finish the season as one of Detroit's three best players. Oh, yeah. I don't even think that's much of a debate at this point, the way the early season's gone. Um, I just want to go on one small tangent with that Friday-Tampa game um, before we get back to Florida because I was my recap of that game was pretty negative, um, I thought, for obvious reasons. And, and I got a lot of blowback on that. They're like, oh, this is one of our best games of the season. We We only lost by essentially one to the defending Stanley Cup champions. And... Yeah, there was definitely improvements um, to that, but I think there was a little bit of recency bias because Detroit got absolutely, I don't even know what, smacked the game before. They're like, oh, well, yeah, this was better. No, that was, if anybody thinks that was an acceptable game as a whole, you need to raise your standards. I don't care that the Red Wings are a bottom feeding team and, and barely getting beat by Tampa is acceptable. They were down by one going into the third period and managed four shots on net. In no reality is that acceptable. Ever. You're losing. Your one job at that point is to tie the game, in which case you need to score a goal. And yet they maintained this neutral zone trap, five men back, one four checker, barely any pressure. Like it was it was a horrible, boring game of hockey, which I know I've dumped on Blashill a lot this year for for that system, but there is some logic to it. Your team sucks. Your best chance is to smother the opponent. And Detroit does that reasonably effectively. They're a middle of the pack five on five defensive team. Um, I, I still will argue it's, it's bad and it will hurt the team long term because you're not developing the players under the system. You're basically teaching them how to not play hockey because that's what you're trying to get the other team to do. But I digress. In this instance... I can understand the logic. It's Tampa. All right, let's just try and minimize the damage and lock her down. And if you go into the third period up by one or tied, fine. Great. You have them where you want them. If you squeak into overtime, huge victory. Any like three on three is a crapshoot, no matter what the skill is. So by all means, you're losing. You have to score. Change the game plan. So, I mean, the Red Wings had a quasi power play goal where they got one just after the power play ended on a nice shot by Zadina tipped by Nemesnikov well tipped hit Nemesnikov and went in nothing happened after that that whole game don't as a fan and as a as someone as a fan you hold the Red Wings to 
a standard because you cheer for them. Hold them to a higher standard than that, please. That's my that's my ask of everybody for the rest of the season. Oh, we didn't get blown out is not an acceptable answer. Now, if you're looking at the season as a whole, we've said this before, the goal is don't get blown out consistently. Fine. That's the season because it happened a lot, but you can't look at each game like that. You have to try to win the hockey game. Like I get moral victories count in a rebuild, but actual victories don't. So please raise your standards, guys and girls. Yeah. And just to continue, the expectation here is I don't... Like, it's still a rebuild, and, and we were the biggest, you know, purveyors of the thought that, look, it's not bad to have hope, but please don't expect this team to make the playoffs coming into the season. And you break it down, this team didn't it, – it got – it was a lot of addition through by subtraction, or at least bringing them to, like, a normal level of bad. Um, it's not about expecting them to win game over game. It's about when the the sport of hockey often dictates that a team who's down will control the play after that's just the way the game flow goes a lot of the time with the leading team parking the bus and you know giving opportunities for offensive advantage and then you come in with four shots in the third period when you're down that's when you start that, that that's when you can't be in my mind too thrilled Brad like you said about the performance i understand after everything red wings fans have been through where if they go up against the defending cup champs and they don't get absolutely throttled that is seen as a, a as progression and i think there's truth to that sure and also it was very fairly brought up to me that uh there's been a lot of injuries whether due to actual injuries or covid protocol or people actually having covid absolutely 100 but i think what it boils down to and maybe this is an overgeneralization is cannot be the same team as last year last year has to be the pinnacle it has to be the absolute and I, I'm talking pinnacle, but I mean the inverse. It has to be the absolute worst moment of the entire rebuild. There can't be another season like that. And those same expectations can't be put forward. Yeah, you might be saying, well, Ryan, they're losing 3-1, not 7-1. Sure, yeah. Um, but when you boil it down, special teams didn't improve at all that game. I mean, they still don't score a power play goal against Florida. The PK was absolutely garbage. Um, there was no kind of offensive generation when they were down. The, the zone entry is still trash. Like you're just looking at stuff like that. Player deployment, whether who's going on the taxi squad and who's coming up, like that is still it, it's just mind numbing decisions like that. That's the stuff in my mind where it's like, look, I, I think. Eisenman and Blashill do a lot of coach or GM speak to the media. They can't go out and say, yeah, we expect to suck this year. But I genuinely believe Eisenman when he said, I need this team to be more competitive. We have to start doing better. We have to start playing better hockey because when we get to the point where we're at uh, a roster who should be competing and they don't have that winning culture, they don't have those developed systems, they don't have the developed chemistry, they don't have the history of success, they're not going to win as they should. That starts now. Uh, is it going to translate to a lot more points in standings or being higher in the standings? Not by a ton. You know, we're not asking this team to be a playoff team, but I've just made Brad's very succinct points into a lot of words. You just need to be more competitive in every aspect of the game. And there's still some glaring, glaring holes. And that said, sorry, go ahead. And it was actually a tweet that you sent out that really hammered that point home for me about where expectations should be. Because one, I want to get this, oh, well, they were missing four or five players due to COVID. Get that right the hell out of your brain. Teams should have depth. That's why we have taxi squads. And let's be honest, 80% of the league is dealing with this. Tampa might not have a 
COVID situation, but they also didn't have a Nikita Kucherov in their lineup. And uh, I think I trade all four Red Wings players that were out for one Nikita Kucherov. So not buying the injuries at all or the COVID protocol at all is a reason they're bad. There are teams that have been hit worse and harder than the Red Wings. It's fine. Uh, going into the game against Florida today, so obviously the numbers have changed after the game for the better, but going into it, the Red Wings were actually on a worse points percentage pace than last year. So through the first 10 or, or sorry, what would that be? 12-ish, 12 games of the year, this team was worse than last year. And I even saw someone try to justify this saying, oh yeah, well, they're in a hard division. And they weren't last year. They had Toronto, <laughs> Tampa, and Boston last year. They This division seems downright easy compared to what they have to deal with in a normal year. Chicago's better, but not all that good. Nashville's not scary. Carolina's good, but not great. Like Columbus is up and down. I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. Again, this, this all circles back to my grandiose point. Expect more. That's all I'm saying is don't don't learn the new Red Wings standard and then set that as the benchmark. Remember, there's Red Wings average and league average. Just always keep that in the back of your mind. I do want to give credit. I, I, I'm going to disagree. And by disagreeing with you, I'm actually going to disagree with myself, which is why probably a lot of people hate me. Um, I talk, <laughs> I'm so obnoxious. I, I genuinely agree that the the injuries, considering who was out, are a fair point to make. I'm not so concerned with you know, uh, Gagne being out. I love Sam Gagne, but he shouldn't be a needle mover. But when you look at uh, Fabry and Zadina and Merrill, like I think those guys make a real impact for this team, and especially considering the amount of difference they made before they were on the team full-time to now, like I think those are needle movers. The only reason I still had this much doubt is even when they were healthy and going into the season prior and the season prior, I just didn't see anything else from Blashill where it's like, oh, he's running a system wherein when these guys are here, it should be able to execute and they should win. I understand them being out makes the team worse, but I haven't seen anything change to inspire confidence that when the team is healthy again, it's it, like this is going to get so substantially better. Now that's hysterical because they won today in decisive fashion and that's without Anthony Mantha and we're going to get to that. But I guess just to kind of close this point off before we get back to the Florida game. The question really will be, you know, now that the the big wave of injuries until the next one comes are over, we do want to get back to that that standard. I said an arbitrary number, and and I mean this number was arbitrary. Um, we said we the, we expect this team to be among the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league. They were last year on a points uh, on a point percentage of uh, point. 275 which was a 45 point pace season over an 82 game season like that is terrible like last year was historically bad we said arbitrarily even optimistically even optimistically we would love that for them to play to a 70 point stit pace which is 0.427 point percentage in the standings that is still usually good for from anywhere from 29th to 31st in the league like you are still an absolute lottery team you are not sniffing the playoffs. But we said, if you can get to that point, we'll consider this a success for Jeff Blaschel and the Red Wings. So the question over the next 30 games or however many games to to pull in a big enough sample size is, are the Red Wings going to play to that standard? Because I think they have the personnel to do that. I think they have a personnel to be a 70-point team over a full season. 
or are they going to continue to hover around 0.25 or 0.275? Because that that's you can't do that. You can't do that more than one year. People still talk about Colorado's awful season to this day, and for good reason. People are going to talk about Red Wings the Red Wings awful season last year. If they string two two in a row like that, especially after the the changes Eisman made. I don't know. So for those who who who, are, who think that the start of this year, a lot of it's not the Red Wings' fault. That's absolutely fair, but there needs to be that measure at some point because the players did get better. Anyways, that's enough yeah. negativity. Yeah, back to the positivity. The positivity is that Giovanni Smith's Giovanni Smith exists on the Red Wings, and he, by God, better stay on this damn team now. There is no excuse for him to miss any of the next ten games after the little stretch he's had. Well, he shouldn't. He was healthy scratch what two games ago, and he absolutely should not have been. Dude has a Gordy Howe hat trick, the game-winning goal, a fight took Aaron Ekblad out of the game for five minutes. I mean, it was after a pretty dirty hit, but when when you play a game like Giovanni Smith, as much as I don't condone that hit, when you try to walk the line, it means every once in a while you're going to go over. It wasn't as bad as the Gudis hit on Glenn Denning earlier in the game, but it wasn't good. There's no justifying that hit is clean, um, but whatever, it, it's going to happen. Every player like Giovanni Smith has a few of those over their career. That's just the way it is. He was effective in all three zones. He's a good puck mover. He knows how to find space. He knows how to be an outlet for his line mates and the defensemen. And he was. He was fantastic. This is kind of the poster child moment for early in the year for when everybody gets uppity with us because we we beat to death why the hell is Philpla or Nielsen or Helm or who the hell ever playing and Giovanni Smith is in the press box because he's capable of this. Are we going to see this Giovanni Smith every night? No, of course not. But we're going to see it a hell of a lot more than we will out of any of the old guys. I don't remember one play Franz Nielsen's made this year that didn't involve him missing an empty net. I literally don't remember anything Darren Helm's done this year. I couldn't tell you a single thing Adam Ernie's done this year. At the end of this year, you damn well better believe I'll remember Giovanni Smith's Gordie Howe hat trick. He has three or four points in six games now as a depth forward. I know he's playing up in the lineup, but still. <laughs> he's playing on the first line. First line, Giovanni Smith, is something we're saying unironically right now. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying this is why we preach this because if you don't play Giovanni Smith, you don't know that Giovanni Smith is capable of what he did today. Um, excellent job. I, even in the, the Tampa Bay game, I thought, you know, the, the story of that top line was that Larkin and Zadina were playing well together, which is really, really fantastic to see because long-term you would hope that Zadina can slot in easily on that top line, uh, especially with his draft stock. And it looks like as his progression continues, he is going to be a bonafide top six winger. So that's great. But then you watch the plays and Giovanni Smith kept up. He kept up with a Larkin Zadina first line uh, to the point where, you know, he was doing things like finding Zadina, who is the late man on a break after working his butt off to keep the puck. Like, that's all stuff where you're like, no, I don't expect Giovanni Smith to be a, a first line winger 82 games a year. But it really drives home who he is as a player. He is a guy who plays with tenacity. He works his ass off on and off the ice because he used to be a not great skater and he fixed that so he can come back to the NHL. And he has skill. He has offensive ability. Is it top line talent? No. Is it fun as hell when he does do something and can he do something? Yeah, absolutely. Which is a lot more, like Brad has said, than you can say for a lot of these guys. Like, think, and also let, let, let's boil this down to it. 
you know, I hate applying this standard, but to a business standard, who do you think Red Wings fans are going to be excited about right now? You know, Franz Nielsen, who really doesn't do much and is kind of a drag on the offense. And it's a little bit of a surprise when he does something or Giovanni Smith, young kid worked his butt off to make this team, uh, nets a goal, gets an assist and beats the hell out of someone all in the same game. There's people, I guarantee you, who bought Giovanni Smith jerseys today. Honestly, good on them. Like I was at the point where I'm like, okay, do I continue with my Bobby Ryan jersey purchase or do I get a Giovanni Smith? I got to go with Ryan because of the egotism, but still. (laughs) Well, at the end of the day, you want to be entertained, right? Like that's the reason why most people tune into sports is to be entertained. And yeah. Nothing says entertainment quite like Franz Nielsen going up and down the ice. <laughs> <laughs> up and down is uh, is implying some kind of rapidity or um, uh, rapidness to that, and uh, I don't know if I would. So yeah, apply that even qualifier. even if you take out the hockey aspect, you know, being entertained, Giovanni Smith yeah. is still the better lineup choice than some of the the bottom feeders. <laughs> we'll call them. You know who else looked good today? Matthias Brome. Just throwing yep. that out there. Just both from the taxi squad, funny enough. Weird how that yeah. works. Um you you mentioned the Radko Gudis hit, and I want to talk about it. Am I way off, or was that just a textbook? Like that's a hit to the head. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Glenn Denning was um leaning egregiously far forward. I think that was a normal skating stride. I thought no Gudis didn't like jump, but his shoulder was high the whole time. Like someone's like he lowered his shoulder. I'm like, uh, his shoulder was at his ear. The principal point of contact was Glenn Denning's nose and then mouth and then jaw and then neck. Like all of those before it hit his chest and Glenn Denning left for the game. Like that absolutely should have been penalized. Yeah, it's that was a worse hit than Smith because Smith's hit. I, I won't condone. He had the benefit at least of Uyghur was turning. So, I mean, it it goes from maybe a, a borderline boarding penalty to a hit to the head. So either way, that wasn't going to end too well. But at least on that one, Smith had that slight excuse of, yeah, he was turning. I could. It was hard for me to pick out my focal point, and he turned right around. That being said, that wasn't the case for Glenn Denning. He was skating in a straight line. And I can't wait for the day that the NHL adopts the IIHF rule of all headshots are penalties because then we don't have to have these debates because you can't call that Giovanni Smith one, a penalty after you called after you let the goodest one go. You can't, it's the same hit just at a different angle. Either both of them are penalties or none of them are penalties factor in that the NHL already has a high sticking penalty. No matter the intent, if you are falling backwards and your stick swings wildly in the air and hits a guy in the face, you are getting a penalty. There is not a damn thing you could have done to prevent that, but you are getting a penalty because you are responsible for your stick. And if it hits him in the face, that's on you. How the hell does that rule exist, but not for headshots? You are in control of your body. You are in control of your shoulder and elbows more than you are in control of your stick. So if you catch someone in the head with your shoulder or elbow, it's on you. I don't care if the guy's falling, turning, if he's a little hunched over like Glenn Denning was, it doesn't matter. I got into a big Twitter argument with a bunch of people a couple weeks ago on another hit. And that sounds like, uncharacteristic, <laughs> right? I've actually been getting better at that. 
I've actually been getting better at that. Um, but yeah, and they were like, people were literally trying to say, oh, so a guy's coming at you with his head down or it's the blind side. What are you supposed to do? Not make the hit? Yes. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. You are under no obligation to hit anybody at any point in a game of hockey. Is there advantage to doing it in certain situations? Obviously, that's why we have hitting. But if the guy's got his head down, he's not looking at you. He ain't going to see you coming to poke the puck away. You don't need to blow him up, blow his head off. Like it, it's this stupid logic. And I know we're getting on too many tangents this episode, but please, NHL, I beg of you, just yeah. all headshots are a penalty. It's all I ask. Yeah. You know, the simplest way to think about this, we're debating and people are on one side saying, oh, you know, he, his head was down. He followed through. It would have been a body, blah, blah, blah. And we're saying hit to the head, blah, blah, blah. Right now, Glenn, Luke Lendenning feels like absolute garbage. And tomorrow morning, he's going to feel worse in, in a bad way. Like concussions are no joke. And it's just like, look, this is a reason Johan Franz is not playing right now. Ironically, I think Radko Gudes was one of the players who delivered one of those nasty hits to, to Johan Franz and that caused a concussion. Uh, people are like, this is a weird edge case. I actually don't think it is, but let's just put it on that line right now. Let's say it's one of those edge cases. It's hard to, to consider whether it's a penalty or not. I think Brad's completely right. Simplest way to solve that debate every single time, move the goalpost, make it a penalty, ma- make it a penalty and protect players' heads. Simple as that just stop you're going to save time on people's careers you're going to stop a lot of people from suffering from cte down the road and shit from the for the nhl who has to constantly deal with like class action concussion lawsuits and things like that why not make this change it's too simple to make uh who's the the alan walsh always calls for it always oh that's his name right the the agent yep yeah i for some reason i thought i was mixing up with someone else he always calls for it and it's like it's the easiest change they can make. Anyways, Glendening out for the game, nothing on Gudis. I actually, Brad, I'll disagree. I, I think Smith's hit was worse. I think I think he targeted Weger's head, and I think it was a message thing because that was the second hit that Florida had from the previous little miniseries they played where it was like oh, an edge case where they didn't get a call. Um, I thought it was the right call, like you said, but yeah. You can't condone it, but you know, if refs aren't going to call that that shit, then that's what's going to happen after. Players are going to get hurt. And you know what? Whether or not I can condone it, Giovanni Smith, Gordie Howe, Hattrick, good for you, man. I, I love that guy. I love that kid in Detroit. I, I don't care about waiver eligibility. I don't care about, you know, uh, if they have to send him down to the taxi squad as a paper move to save on cumulative cap or whatever between games, that's fine. I want him in a Red Wings uniform every single game until he stops deserving it. And right now he deserves it more than a lot of players on this team. So I, I hope he stays. That's my biggest takeaway from this game. Yeah, they had a pretty good roster today. Almost, almost what I would have it. Taro Hirose was still out and someone else was still out, but pre- pretty close. We're getting closer. Not really. We're actually uh, trending farther away, but <laughs> okay. um thomas grice gets his first win with the red wings first non jonathan bernier red wings win in 34 games which actually extends over a year it's 468 days every time every day we'd wake up and i'd wait for Prashant to tweet out the counter <laughs> because it's it just had been so long i didn't realize i knew it was that many games but that many days between oh my god just to put it into context for uh, this is probably just for me but for the moment it'll take you back the last time before today that a red wings goalie not named jonathan bernier won a game 
I didn't have shoulder problems. <laughs> was Hank born yet? No, he was not. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the first non-Jonathan Bernie win in Hank's life. Yep. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yep. Milestones. Historic. Raise yep. the banner. Yeah. National raise the banner. Brad, you know those pictures that people take of their babies, like them laying down, it has like eight months on the blanket next to them. Yep. Please take one with first non-Bernier Red Wings win. <laughs> I beg of you. Or just take a picture of him on a white blanket with room and I'll Photoshop it. Please. Oh my God. We might have to. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be the most useful thing that you can do as a parent for Hank is is that <laughs> that milestone. Um, Mark Stahl, yeah, Mark Stahl had had a good game with that goal. Stetcher continued to be great. Grice finally got his win. I, I was happy to see that because you know what? I think Grice started hot and then he regressed to awfully pedestrian. I don't think he was losing games for the Red Wings. When you're not generating any offense, that's going to happen. Uh, goalies are going to lose more than they should. But, you know, there was a lot of goals where on the replays, like Mick would say something like, oh, look at, you know, that's a screen. He had no way of seeing that. And I'd watch and I'd be like, Look, I don't pretend to know a lot about goaltending, but a lot of these screens seem weak. And I know a lot of goaltenders who can see around screens much better. It's just like he's too sensitive to the simplest of screens. And I thought he was good for at least one like below average goal a game. And the numbers reflect that. Um, last year, the Red Wings had a god-awful Jimmy Howard and a Jonathan Bernier who was practically Clark Kent. And this year, they just have two decidedly below average goalies. Um, even when you isolate for, you know, a bad defense or high danger chances or whatever, neither of them are really playing up to, we're going to steal you game standards. And we talked about that preseason. We said, both of these guys are going to, uh, like you, you, you have to expect them to be sufficient. And if you're expecting them to be Bernie of last year, you're going to be in for a bad time. So I'm happy things finally came together. Uh, Grice (laughs) might not skip town now. Um, and the Red Wings finished their Florida road trip with a win. So moving forward, what do they have? They have uh before we talk next, they have uh hold on, we're sorry, not, they, we're, not they, no. we're not getting off the Florida game before we talk. No, no, and you know what? They're not even done their Florida Yeah, they're not even done their Florida trip. They have another one on Tuesday. I was wrong. Yeah, um, no, 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 certain, no. No, no. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. We're not worrying about next game now. Are we not going to call attention to the fact that with an empty net, Vlad Nemesnikov got a breakaway <laughs> and decided the best way to cement this game was with a clapper? That's, That's a, a guy. Five moment of the year. <laughs> That's a guy who's had enough of Florida shit and also has had enough of being snake bitten and not scoring when he should. Like that was double frustration right there. <laughs> Which is funny because he scored last game. <laughs> yeah. Um. I didn't even realize it until you said it, and then I went and skipped back. I'm like, oh, yeah, he took a half clapper from like five feet out. Good for him. Love it. Also, uh, kept my streak going on the Timmy's game. <laughs> no, of course. I can't um, not pick a Red Wing when they come. At, it just wouldn't feel right. So that was, a, of course, the Nemeskov slapper is the most important story. But let's get to the second most important story, which was post-game. Um, we, we found out what happened with Anthony Mantha. And that was, you know, Jeff Blashill apparently said Anthony Mantha was a healthy scratch. They didn't want to comment further. So what I'm going to take from that was this was like, I, I saw, I can't remember what writer said it, but they said this was a message thing. Like he was sat. Um, Anthony Mantha was scratched for this game. 
and this is complicated because I'm trying to look at this outside of the the view of uh, overall view of Jeff Blashell that I've had this year, which is that he's not done a good job this season. Anthony Mantha hasn't been playing up to scuff this year. Doesn't matter which way you cut it. When you consider what Anthony Mantha can do, he has not been Anthony Mantha this year. But I thought he was warming up, you know, three goals in three straight games, four points in his last five. Was he playing to 100% of his abilities? No, but he was doing way substantially better than he was earlier this year. There was that game where he got sat in the first period, right? For the rest of the game. And I was like, yeah, fair. Like you looked like shit out there and, and you should be sat. But the healthy, the, the timing on the healthy scratch is weird. I don't even necessarily disagree with it, but it, it was just kind of bizarre, which makes me think maybe not completely performance-based. I don't know. <sighs> I'm not going to even speculate about whether it was performance based or not because we'll we'll never know if it was. But given the way he's been playing, I'll say it's performance based because after the first four or five games of the year, when all the Mantha haters came out of the woodwork and very vocally, I was saying, you know, no, this isn't an effort thing. This isn't an effort thing. It could just be rust. He might be injured. Might be coming off an illness or COVID or something. Let's give him some time and see what happens. Well, 10 games into the season, nothing really changed. He was getting flashes still, but the more I watched, the more you could see just he was poking and reaching. There weren't any stops and starts in his game and he wasn't skating to retrieve a puck. Like he was, he was floating. There's no way around it. And yeah, you can be the most talented player on the team, but if you don't work, you're not going to be anything special and his numbers this year reflect that yeah he's one of the top scorers in the red wings well that's because he's one of the most skilled if not the most skilled players on the red wings so of course he will always get points so if we were looking at this in a bubble just anthony mantha's performance to the healthy scratch i would have no problems with this decision the timing of it would have been just fine for me you're on a losing streak what have you got to lose you've lost eight games in a row Fine. You want to send a message? Great time to send it. Don't care. I have no problems with that. My issue with the healthy scratch is the larger picture. Because if you're going to scratch guys for looking like the effort's not great, for not performing up to their capabilities, there's a big list of players who should also be scratched that haven't been. Nobody can tell me Franz Nielsen looks like he gives much of a shit out there. Now, he's always played that way. He's Franz Nielsen's always played kind of that calm style of hockey. Yeah, but so does Anthony Mantha. Of course, you hold Mantha to a higher standard than Nielsen, but still, it has to be everybody or it has to be nobody. I don't give a shit. I don't buy into this. You single out the stars because they're held to a higher standard. That's how you alienate players. I, I made the joke earlier in this episode. I don't remember a single thing Darren Helm's done this season. Okay, but he hasn't missed any games. Philpola has got a scratch. That's something. Okay. And I, you could go on about Ernie and Gagne and a bunch of other guys that fit this description. Fine, but they were on the COVID list. They get a pass. Matthias Brome probably works harder than anybody else on this team. And he's been effective. But he also got a healthy scratch. Taro Hirose isn't a grinder, but he's been effective at what he's been doing. But he's been a scratch. Giovanni Smith 
God, if Brome isn't the hardest worker on this team, Giovanni Smith is. But he's been healthy scratched a bunch of times. So taxi he's squad, healthy scratch. Brad means interchangeably there. Yeah, well, taxi. Well, they've been sending guys to the taxi squad and then still playing them next game just for paper moves. Healthy yeah. scratch. I'm just saying someone who is able to play that's not playing, whether it's yeah, they're yeah. just in the press box or taxi squad. Okay, so healthy scratch, taxi squad, whatever. What are the goalposts here? I guess is kind of the grand point I'm making. If you are a player in the Red Wings dressing room. What is the standard to get in the lineup? Because Mantha is producing, but his effort level is lacking. So that's a healthy scratch. Okay. So effort level matters. Matias Brome's effort is through the roof, but he's had some bad luck and the numbers aren't there. Okay. He's a healthy scratch. So production matters. Franz Nielsen doesn't really look like the effort's that high and he's not producing. Well, he hasn't been healthy scratched in like 10 games. Giovanni Smith is producing and the efforts there. He's been healthy scratched. I like, what is the standard with this team? Like I can speak from experience in minor hockey in hockey. Now, like I would not know what to think if I was on this team, what is the standards? What does this coaching staff expect out of their players? If it's not production, apparently, it's not effort, apparently, it's not a combination of both, it's not a combination of neither. Like, that's what drives me nuts about this. Again, in a bubble, this Mantha scratch is fine. Fine. But if that's, if effort's the standard, Brome and Giovanni Smith should not have missed a single game this season once they got into the lineup. Zero. They should be playing every goddamn game. Yeah. So I, I I don't know what to make of any of this. Now, the only thing that jumps in here, because I do think this was weird even by by Blaschel standards, like it happened last minute. I got to think like, let's say it's not something news might come out tomorrow where it's something completely off, in which case, like if that's happened and you're listening, please know that, you know, we were working with the information we had coming into this right now. We have nothing. It wasn't commented further. It's not COVID protocol. It makes me think there's some kind of there was a clash there, or they're they're not on the same wavelength, and this was Blasio's only way of sending a message. Whether it was you know he was late to practice, or you know mouthed off, or something like that. Like I believe this is about sending a message to one of his best players who he needs to be better. And as a hey, like as a coach, good. You need the best at your best players. And I I do agree that your best players should be held to a higher standard. It's about setting an example. Not to the degree so wherein Brad has the examples that he just listed to you because I don't think it's right really that Brome was, was you know, sent down when he had that effort. But I digress. It just it, – it, to me, it, it reeks of something else. It reeks of Mantha not playing for Blashill. And at that point, is that a Mantha problem or is that a Blashill problem? And is this who, – who does the blame go on? Who does the blame go to when you're one of your best players cannot play to his fullest abilities when he doesn't want to play for you? Is that on Mantha in a vacuum in a bubble as, as you're saying, Brad, that's on Mantha. You, that has to be dealt with player by player, but Hey man, Heronic has not looked good this year. When Athanasiu, who was another high skilled player who needed, you know, proper refinement and coaching in the, in the past, he was, when he was hot, he was hot, but when he was cold, holy shit, he was like a different player. Uh, Larkin, to his credit, just is great all the time. Bertuzzi, 
works like Giovanni, like Bertuzzi has the Giovanni Smith work ethic or maybe vice versa. Um, but you look at these high skill guys, so much of this is conjecture and so much of it's guessing and you're not going to know behind the scenes, but the Red Wings right now and the Red Wings in the future cannot afford an Anthony Mantha who's not playing to 100%. I hope whatever Blashill is doing works because if not, you have to look at a long-term solution here, which is one of them has to go. And I'm not necessarily implying that it has to be Blashill. If you look at Mantha's age right now and his contract and the Red Wings timeline to rebuild, it's not out of the question to start to consider, is this a guy we move when his value is at its highest? That's a big jump. I'm not saying he's sitting for trade reasons. I'm not saying start to theorize on on, on Mantha trades, but you have to hope that this is resolved short term. Otherwise, long term, that's the kind of situation we're looking at. So I'll I'll try and cover both your points here. Um, So the one you were just talking about, Cut and dry, it's a lot easier to replace a Jeff Blashill than it is an Anthony Manta. There, there's no way around that. I don't care how good of a coach you are. There's lots of good coaches in the world. It is hard to find a six foot five power forward with skill who can put up 60 to 80 points a year. That's just, sorry, you, you can get a coach easier than you can get a player like that, especially when you factor in that Manta's on a pretty good value deal. Circling back to something you said, because this is kind of the crux of it. Is this on the player or the coach? And I'm going to just talk life in general here. I'm not even going to talk hockey specifically because I've been a business owner, a manager, some capacity. I've had employees for the last 12, 13 years of my life. If my employees aren't performing, that's on me. I don't care what the reason is. If if, If it's just a lazy college kid, it's on me to figure out how to get them motivated. If it's an unskilled worker that I have to teach from the ground up and they keep screwing up because they just, they don't have the knowledge, that's on me for not giving it to them. If they just, eh, they don't feel like working today, they don't have any motivation, that's on me to get it to them. Whether that's tough love, a good talk, whatever, whatever the hell it might be, it's never on the employee. It's always on the manager. Same thing goes for a hockey team. It's never on the player. It's always on the coach. Now, if that player has a bad attitude, Okay, that's fine. That player's a dickhead. That happens. People are dickheads. You're always going to get some of them. It is on your job as the coach or the manager to get that dickhead to work in a team environment however you have to. And if it doesn't work, then you need to have a talk with your boss, i.e. Steve Eiserman. Hey, we have to make a change here. You can fire employees. You can fire hockey players. The only difference is when you fire a hockey player, that means trade. It's fine. I My biggest point of pride in my adult life is I've never fired an employee, and I plan on keeping it that way. But it, when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um. So, yeah, whatever it is, he's got to do it. And that's I'm not saying Mantha's a dickhead. I'm not saying there's a problem behind the scenes. This could be Blash Hill's method of tough love. Okay, I've got a lazy player who's not motivated. Okay, I here's his wake-up call. And that's all fair game. Again, if I'm looking at this incident in a bubble with no other context of the team around it, fair game. I am absolutely with Blashill on this. Mantha has not looked like himself, and I do I am leaning now that it is just an effort thing. Now, fix the rest of the team. 
because it can't Mantha can't be the only one made an example of. Yes, I agree to an extent. Your your top players have to be held to a higher standard. I get that, but that doesn't give everybody below them a free pass. If I harped on my model employee all the time and did nothing to the slack asses below them, that's going to affect poorly on me to my valuable employee who I want to keep around forever. So these are the things that you have to factor in to decisions like this. You want more Troy Stetchers and Bobby Ryans to join your team. You need to know that they're going to get, I don't want to say fair or decent because I, I don't not to imply that the coaching staff doesn't treat players fairly, but they want to come to a team where those kind of roster decisions are made based on performance and, and they're understandable. Um, you're, what you wrapped up with there, Brad, I think is where I ultimately land on this. Like, Here's my subjective opinion. I think it's on Mantha. Uh, I, I think if I just watch you score at a 40-goal pace and do whatever the hell you wanted moving into the offensive zone and you control the game and then you come in with this effort this year, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it's off, whether it's rust or whatever, but ultimately I, I can't blame Blashill for Mantha not moving his feet or I can't blame Bla- Blashill for Mantha not doing what I've seen him do. But now, like you said, Blashill's making his move. This is the tough love. Yes, great. You know, agree with it. Timing's weird, but whatever. It has to be fixed long term. And that's where the manager, this now does fall on Jeff Blashill. And I'll add Steve Eiserman. This is the onus is on them is to get the best out of their best players. And frankly, like I was talking long term hypothetical, hypothetical, and I was getting way ahead of myself, you know, trade, whatever. Even if you want to trade Mantha long term. You need him scoring when he when you're you're shopping him around because you're not selling low on Mantha, you know diamond hands and all that. Like you you have to hold on Mantha. You know what his value could be. Don't sell at low, and he's cost controlled for the next little while too. So, you there's a part of me, and I've been holding this part of me down because I don't want to start too many fights on the podcast or within the fandom right now. I think maybe the long term future, the long term move is to trade Mantha before he's thirty. And you can't do it while his value is this low. No. And you're right on both fronts. I mean, Mantha could be pulling up Pierre-Luc Dubois here. He may, Maybe he hasn't publicly demanded a trade request. Maybe he has demanded a trade behind the scenes. Oh, careful now. Careful. The I don't know. are going to pick that up. <laughs> I don't care. It's Everything's on the table right now because we have no context. Going to be a lot of Twitter fights this week, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, oh I don't. Brad Crisco, please. I don't care. <laughs> okay. He, but Dubois literally just pulled this shit less than a few weeks ago. Like, get me out of here. I'm not playing for you. I doubt that's what's going on with Mantha. But again, without any context, we can't rule it out. He could be hurt. He could be hiding an injury. He could be recovering from COVID. He could hate Jeff Blashill with a burning passion. He could just be like, ah, this season doesn't matter. I don't feel like sweating all that much. We have no idea. And that's the problem with this right now is we don't know because we did not see this Anthony Mantha for the last four years. We didn't. We saw a couple bad games. Fine. We saw those from Johan Franzen too. And then Franzen would pop off for five goals against Ottawa. It's exactly how Anthony Mantha is. That ain't been Anthony Mantha this year. I'm going to put kerosene on this fire and then I'm going to move us off the topic. There was a tweet that's been that's since been deleted and I'm not going to, you know, uh, read out whose tweet it was because they deleted it for a reason but it said in response to mantha sitting saying uh, they played at my golf course the other day and uh, mantha made a joke and this was before the second game against tampa mantha made a joke that he scored in three straight games and i might still be in the stands 
okay, let's believe this tweet. Let's just, you know, put it in the realm of possibility here. That's indicative of uh, he knew something was like hit. That was a, an ongoing conversation with him and Blashill. That's not like some scandal saying like, ooh, there's some like that's a player who who knows he's on he's in the doghouse knows he's in the doghouse, but on the same wavelength, kind of seems like no. Again, it's a deleted tweet. Everyone lies on the internet. I what did I do to you, Brad? The other day, I took. <laughs> quotes random words from one of your tweets and changed it into like brad says mantha should be traded quote yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I, but- hey that's that's what twitter is for if you're not posting if you're not shit posting on twitter why are you even there you're either a c- fan of a competitive team or you're shit posting there's no in between both you should be doing both um okay Let's move on. I think there's only one real story that I feel like covering before overtime here. Uh, there's been a lot of questionable, you know, ref decisions this year, but this one's something. In the Columbus uh, Carolina game, there was a goal scored near the end of the second period by Carolina. Columbus uh, requested a coach's, cha- coach's challenge for offside prior to the goal with a minute 15 left. During the review, there was a miscommunication between video replay uh, in Columbus, the linesman in the Situation Room in Toronto, and the play resumed before all replays were actually reviewed to confirm that it was indeed offside. So not only did the goal stand when it shouldn't have, Columbus got a delay of game penalty. And then during the intermission, what they did was they removed the remaining 45 seconds on that penalty, but the goal still stood. Columbus ended up losing that game in OT when, by all rights, it should have been a regulation win. Pardon me? That is 10 levels of cocking something up. You might as well have just not said anything. (laughs) I would have rather had them gone with the wrong offside call and just do the usual thing where they say, oh, no, we were right. And you're like, but the evidence is right there. And they're like, nah. And you're like, okay. But instead, they admitted it was wrong, took off 45 seconds off a power play, and let the goal stand. And then Columbus lost. And you just know, because this is how the sports universe works, this is going to have playoff implications. And someone's going to miss or make the playoffs based on that single point difference. You just know that's going to happen. Now, anybody who's been listening to this podcast long enough knows that I have the solution to this problem. Get rid of offside reviews. Okay, but I think the problem here was that they didn't do the offside review. No, I know. I know. <sighs> I You knew I was going to get that joke in, Ryan. Any time anything goes wrong with offside reviews, anytime there's an offside review that is too long or too close, I'm making this joke, just so you know, because offside reviews are the worst thing that's happened to the game of hockey in the last 10 years. Anyways, this... Um, this is just good old fashioned incompetence. Is what this is. Um, I I was surprised they didn't put time back on the clock, like run like a twenty one minute third period or whatever, just to to make up for the time that Columbus had to spend spend shorthanded. Wasn't it Columbus too? Were they the team against LA with Drew Doughty's goal where the clock froze for like a second with like near the end and then they tied it? That poor franchise is cursed. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is staggering. Um, I will say good on the league for at least correcting it the second they found it out, because this does strike me as a thing the NFL would have just swept under the rug. 
Um, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. It was the right call. Screw you. Oh, our replay was inconclusive. Yada, yada, yada. So they owned up to their mistake. Got to give them credit for that. That's pretty rare in the in the sports world. Because God knows the NFL is not going to come out and admit that Tom Brady paid the refs off tonight. But it's fine. <laughs> you had to sneak that in, huh? Yeah, after watching Kansas City uh, hold Buffalo all of last game and not get called once, and then all of a sudden every single one of them is getting called this week. What's different? But um, <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. Uh, refs bad. Columbus screwed. Um, here's my proposal for how to fix offside reviews. Get rid you of lit- You send Evan a text or a message on Messenger, and if he replies to you, then you get to do the offside review. But if he's busy and doesn't feel like answering, no go. Keep playing. I agree. That sounds like <laughs> a good way to do it. If, so every much- time Evan doesn't respond to a text, there is no review? Uh, whatever the call on the ice was stands. Okay. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of goal. There be, the goals will be up in the NHL and by a significant <laughs> margin. Hey, look at that. Um Fun little tidbit here before we move into overtime. Uh, Giovanni Smith, obviously, Gordie Howe hat-trick today. Giovanni Smith also didn't know what a Gordie Howe hat-trick was before he got his today. What? Yeah. <laughs> Cancel the Giovanni I- Smith jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing his interview. He's like, uh, I didn't know what that was. No, it wasn't until they told me. <laughs> Giovanni. I knew that he- when I was like six years old. He had to have had like. 40 of them between his time in Guelph and Kitchener. Like, yeah. All like, he no. did in the OHL was score goals and punch people. That was his thing. Unless he was just giving the world's best deadpan interview, which would be hysterical and which would make me love him even more. He was just like, yeah, no, I don't know what that was. was and that's how he like, yeah, he's not a, he's a funny interview too. Cause he's like really monotonous. Was that before or after Fabry's interview? Cause I saw something on Twitter that, that someone asked Fabry if he knew what a Gordy Howe hat-trick was, and everybody's like, what the hell are you asking that question for? So if the Giovanni interview was first, that makes a lot more sense now. It must have been that the Giovanni interview was first. Yeah. That's oh, fun. my God. That oh, that poor reporter deserves an apology after that. <laughs> um, well, he's going to learn, and I have a feeling he's going to learn more than once. There's a um, fair to reasonable chance he's going to end up with more Gordy Howe hat-tricks than Gordy Howe. Yeah, how many did Gordy Howe have? Four? I think it was two or three. Two, yeah. Um, all right, we're going to transition to overtime here, which is brought to you by Brad's pain at watching the team that beat the Bills losing the Super Bowl to his arch nemesis, Tom Brady. I'm just kidding. It's brought to you by our Patreon supporters, first and foremost. Ryan, um, I beg of you, <laughs> don't make me start making Lions jokes because I like the Lions and I don't want to make jokes about them just to piss you off. All right. I have All right, a million back- other things I can piss you off with. I'll back off for now. We'll we'll save this as an off-season fight. There, um, that's we're, fine. We're going to start overtime with uh, Patreon comments. Antonio Gracias says, oh, God, this is such a funny tweet from NBC. Who would win in a fight, the 0-2 Wings or the 2010 Hawks? This question brought to you by the NHL Network Twitter feed shit posters. Bye, Evan. You're on mute still there, champ. Hello. Technology, am I right? Did he accidentally hit the button? Yeah, because Squadcast, greatest recording software in the world. Okay. Uh, three, two. Yeah, there's a, a, a 
a tweet and it was like, which team was better, the 2010 Hawks or the 02 Red Wings? And it's like, hey, a lot of credit to the 2010 Blackhawks. Fantastic team. The 2002 Red Wings are quite possibly the greatest team assembled in NHL history by NHL players. Like, Really? And knowing how I know the internet, that vote was probably way closer than it needed to be. I didn't see the tweet, but I'm just going to guess it was closer than it should have been. Was it an NBC tweet by any chance? I th- it was either NBC or NHL Network, one of the two. Uh, I can't remember. If it, either way. NBC tweet of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what Do we know what the vote was on that? They don't think they actually put up a poll. I think it was just a graphic. Oh, thank God. Oh, well, we'll, we'll go to the comments to see uh, where all the experts' uh, opinions it, are on the matter. Because if it, was, it wasn't was unanimous for the O2 Wings, uh, it was too close. Um, we're going to move on to Cody Stark, who says, if Timothy Brady scores a rushing TD from a less than a yard tonight, I'm putting in a pool and flying all of you bastards to North Dakota to celebrate. Hey, if it takes uh, Brad celebrating Tim, Tim Brady for a uh, pool party, then I'll make Brad celebrate Tim Brady. Um, next question touches on Brad's uh, Patreon-exclusive episode, which we didn't even bring up, but Brad did record a Patreon-exclusive gear nerds episode so it's all about hockey equipment he took your questions brad we will have the fight another day because we completely forgot about it the tongue in or out on the stage this is another day this is the worst hockey take you've had <laughs> oh day, my brad. god ryan i kiss you're save telling it. me you know more than the manufacturers you save it you brad fucking crazy <laughs> Obi-Wan one Kenobi's. If you guys want to hear the episode, uh, Patreon subscribers, it's up for you on either Patreon or uh, you should have your Patreon exclusive RSS feed, which you can put in your podcast player. Anyhow, Obi-Wan one Kenobi says, first of all, loved Brad's gear rundown episode. As someone who picked up hockey in my mid-20s, it was super helpful. Made me wonder, though, as someone who plays both forward and defense, but even when playing forward, I usually shoot around the circles. Would switching from a low kick point uh, stick to a high kick point possibly suit my game more? Um, it depends. Honestly, with kick points, it has a lot to do with your skill level too. Um, for beginners, I generally recommend low kick point because it's easier to load that stick, meaning you're going to get more use out of that stick. Because with a high kick point, you're going to get more power, but you have to have good shooting technique and really be able to lean on that stick. Um, so I'll defer to you on that one. If you're like, yeah, no, I got a good shot and I I can really maximize it. Then, yeah, if you're shooting from outside the circles, generally a high kick point is absolutely for you. But if you're like, I, I've still got a long ways to go on that, stick with the low kick point. Uh, Ryan Lee says, can we just take a moment to appreciate Zadina? He looks way more confident this year. He has greatly improved his defensive game uh, and his game without the puck, without losing offensive ability. On a separate note, Smith has earned a permanent roster spot, in my opinion. We'll see if Blashill agrees. Jake Nagy says, loving Giovanni Smith's presence. He's hungry, gives 100% every shift. I hope he keeps getting opportunities to improve and play with skilled players. He's never going to be an impact guy, but I totally agree with what you guys said last week, that having well-rounded guys on the third and fourth line will be vital to our success when we're contenders again. Um, Rob Byram says, "Um, some good news, guys. I'm a pilot for a major U.S. airline, and I'm getting recalled back to flying and awaiting training in the next few months. Yes, Rob. That's excellent news. Congratulations. Uh, that said, where do you want to travel to when you're able and feel comfortable doing so? Anywhere? Was that the decision? <laughs> yeah, it's literally anywhere. Wherever wherever they'll take us. I don't care. The middle of Idaho, that's great. Potatoes. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's great skiing there that I haven't, you know. There is. 
Uh, of course there is. Uh, I'm trying to make that up. Jesus. C-Nod says, who's ready for the Mantha scratched for a trade rumor over and over? Couple statements and you say whether you'd buy, which is agree, or sell, disagree. With all the new players in the locker room, there's a higher possibility of Blash losing the locker room. Agree or disagree? disagree. Higher likelihood? Uh, sell. Disagree. Yeah. I think the players who have been there the longest are going to be the ones that he wears on the most. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, Zadina is starting to look the form we drafted him so high. Yeah, agree. Agree. Yep. Bert, to this point in the season, is showing his worth to stay around for a while. Agree. Agree. Agreed. Heronic is not a top pairing D in the long run. Uh, agree. Agree. Yeah, it's painful, but you need other top talent to pull the pressure off him. Tampa shows how far we truly are from competing. Agree. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Most good teams. Uh, 60 minutes of Helm says Darren Helm with 18 plus minutes of ice time in the wings win. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, he's got a point. Winning formula. Agree. Man- no Mantha, more Helm minutes, and they won. I'm just, I'm just saying, Brad. Yep. Mantha Somet- traded sometimes for Helm. causation and correlation, you know. Oh, Always tied, those two. That's what the great Isaac Newton said. Mark Burnham says, we're now on pace for more than 10 wins, boys. Let's go. Hashtag better than the Sens. Hashtag fire Melnick. On a serious note, really happy that Grace got a W. He needs it. Uh, Dennis K says, to distract from another crushing Red Wings loss, let's... Wait, what? Really? Okay, to celebrate the Red Wings (laughs) win. We all knew what was happening today. Let's hear your music hot takes. I'll start. Dark Side of the Moon is only Pink Floyd's third best album. Both Wish You Were Here and The Wall were better albums, in my opinion. Ooh. Um, my music hot take is I think Hotel California is a god-awful song. It drives me nuts. I hate it. I can't stand it. You guys don't have music hot takes. None that anybody Should would really song. get. <laughs> uh, Isaiah Nagurski says, is it time to get uh, Smith jersey? Isaiah, yeah. Please do. Uh, La Plata Peak says random thoughts of the week. The tin hat wearing version of myself can't help but wonder if the high number of cancellations is uh, somewhat equal interview. Is that somewhat equal intervals among various NHL teams related to a master conspiracy between the league and the NHLPA to get a 40 game season and a repeat of the expanded playoff format that we had last year? Oh, that's big tinfoil hat. Uh, other point in honor of Calvin Johnson's NHL Hall of Fame induction, I believe the Red Wings win one more game in 2009 that Chris Osgood, who will never stop looking like he's 25, is likely in the Hall of Fame as well. Franzen hitting the crossbar at the end of game seven is something I may never get over. Those are my opinions. Some may not agree, but opinions are like rear ends after all. Well, they're certainly interesting, and I actually agree about the Osgood one. Uh, Vincent Saladino says, at what point do you think the team moves on from Blash Hill? off season if they do yeah um lars the prophet of the towering behemoth says so we actually got to enjoy a red wings game how about that there's some seriously worrying things though with enormous implications for the future grace had a really really good game stall was actually not bad and scored a backhander giovanni smith channeled his inner brendan shanahan and was way went and was way better than anyone could have imagined as he took his first strides with the kids in traverse city uh, the Wings played solid special teams all through the game. Stetcher was positively Rafalski-esque, and we played the full 60. Mesnikov had the empty net slapper from two meters away. This was far too enjoyable to not be a precursor for the apocalypse. <laughs> so before the Armageddon hits, this was fun. 
Now duck and cover and kiss your asses goodbye, and I hope to see you in the Red Wings heaven where we get to blindside Gudas for eons. Wings and pizza for everyone, and stall for Norris. Uh, addendum, just read Max's tweet that Mantha was a healthy scratch for the game. Is accountability for shaky performances reserved for those under 30 on the Red Wings? That is staggeringly stupid. Lars, always the poet. Justin Kraft, who is a brand new or is a newer patron and says this is the first overtime comment. Justin, thank you for supporting the show and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Says, I think you guys were spot on about Giovanni Smith last episode. I've been following the Wings for about five years since moving to Michigan for grad school. But as a lifelong Kings fan, Smith definitely has shades of Kyle Clifford and Trevor Lewis. I'm really hoping he stays up because Blashill might have seen Stahl's sick backhand moves today. And I don't want $5.7 million dangles to put Smith on the taxi squad. Um, free frame. Oh, I made a typo and they make it. I meant to write freeze frame and I wrote free frame and I now I'm just going to eat that. It says, well, boys, we won a game and it was with a goalie not named Bernier and we won by more than a goal. What a time to be alive. Who do you guys think will win the Super Bowl? At the time of recording, I'm going to say Tampa Bay. I Tampa will, Bay is going to win by at least 20. I will bet my life savings that Tampa Bay wins this game. Anyhow, uh, definitely we're not recording in the fourth quarter uh what are your favorite game foods and are you guys doing any betting on the game tonight thanks again for the pod and let's go red wings ultimate football food straight up hot wings there's no better in-game snack yeah i'm i'm with brad on the wings um weekend at bernie says giovanni smith that is all Agreed. G Smitty's big G Smitty's big brass pair says, Hey there, fellows. Congrats to Giovanni Smith, whose strong game today will certainly cement his status back on the taxi squad. Why? Because because that's why. NHL has two major problems. One, COVID testing. They have to switch to the rapid tests that are working fine in the NBA and NFL, while they also especially need to stop patting themselves on the back for pulling off the successful bubble strategy last fall and focus on the problems of the current season. Two, the amount of hard checks to the head that are not being called by refs and that go unpunished. It's happening everywhere. I don't expect anything to happen to Gudas because of this trend. How many players do you think are still recovering from the COVID lung? Chiefs over Bucks, 38-33, Kelsey MVP, stay fresh cheese bags. Well, that did not age well. Um, Yakaruta says the Red Wings won. The game was entertaining and a goalie not named Bernier won for the Wings. Are we living in a parallel universe? Also, while it worked, scratching Mantha was really weird. Uh, Nick Zonka says Sam Bennett asking for a trade has me intrigued. What do you guys think the asking price for Bennett would be? And what do you think the package the Wings put together for him would be? Bennett's a weird one because he's a good player, but he's very much a bottom six player. But he's a very effective bottom six player. He's what everybody thinks Darren Helm is, um, except younger and obviously better. But what do you give up for a bottom six guy? Uh, I mean, Calgary's probably asking for a first plus. I probably just go a second round pick. I like. I wouldn't go more than that because not that some, uh, not that a second round pick is always going to pan out or be some revelation but if you have three second round picks there's a pretty damn good chance you get a sam bennett out of it so yeah sure at least i i'd trade the pick just for a guaranteed sam bennett uh but yeah i'm not as keen on this sam bennett thing as everybody else yeah i'm not 
I don't know. I don't think it's an experiment that I'd really jump jump at. They're they're probably going to want too much, and for me, that's that's enough to stay away. Yeah, it's the it, this is the classic. If the price is right, absolutely, this is a no brainer. But there's no reality where that price is going to be right. Um, Ian says, Hey, you guys say jerseys. And I always thought it was a Canadian thing to say sweaters, or is that just an old fashioned or regional thing? Thanks. Um, I think that they're pretty interchangeable. I don't think it's a regional thing. I think it's just when people want to speak kind of old time hockey, they say sweaters. Literally, like literally, if you're referring to an old hockey Jersey, it's a sweater. If you're referring to something more modern, it's a Jersey. I've not seen anybody call it a retro reverse sweater, but I've also not heard anybody say a Gordie Howe jersey, for example. So, yeah. I think it, it's, I've heard both, but yeah, in general, when they say sweater, I think it's just kind of like a, uh, you can, you can do it and you won't get sued, you know, but I don't, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. No, there definitely isn't. Uh, the Caminator says one in a row. Let the winning streak start. Evan, when the wings get a winning record, you get to read the comments. Bro, may for all-star, let's make it happen. I'll see you guys in three <laughs> or four years. Uh, the actual Terry says, hello, did I seriously see a tweet asking for a movie recommendation? I thought we'd move past this. Uh, my name is Ryan Hanna, and as a former defenseman, I really wish we had Jonathan Erickson back on the blue line. These young kids don't know how to play the tough minutes like the old vets. I hope you got your money's worth, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> With that, I'd like to officially resign as the host of the podcast. I hope you all check out my new podcast called A Night In with Mr. Hanel, where I will regale everyone with a full review and synopsis of a movie each week. See the link in the sh- no. I, you got you joke, but that would if you give me enough beer, I would do it. Yeah, I was gonna say I can actually see you coming up with like a lame ass name like A Night In with Ryan Hanna. That absolutely is something you would do. Piss off, buddy. <laughs> With the biggest turtleneck on that you could find. <laughs> I don't own a turtle. You probably have a turtleneck. Evan he, definitely has a turtleneck. Somewhere I do, yeah. Yeah. It's probably snowboard related. Hey, screw all you guys. Uh, <laughs> Sam W says, could Igor Larionov help the wings find their joy with the puck again? We'll try I, anything. Yeah. Why not? Uh, all right. Time for some Reddit questions. Um, oh, this is just a nice comment. Copemaster94 says, just started listening this season. I really enjoyed the episodes. Thank you for tuning in. And we always uh, appreciate new listeners. So glad you're enjoying it. Uh, Wenger Dinger says, Smith is proving there's no reason to scratch him. Hope Mantha doesn't miss much more time. Thanks as always. Um, Russell18 says, how angry should we be when Giovanni Smith is scratched? Before, not very. Now, reasonably angry. All the way. Uh, Skate19 then asked about Mantha as well, which we've covered. All right, time for some Twitter hashtag AskWWPs. Brad says, we've bagged on Stahl deservedly all season, but he's been less noticeably terrible the past week. Is he rounding into form, and can we expect him to be this good the rest of the season, or was this a fluke good week? Just like bad teams, bad players have their moments. So, I mean, let's not forget the, what was it, the, 18, 19 Detroit Red Wings were objectively terrible and rattled off a 10-game point streak. So it, it happens. It's fine. Enjoy it when it happens. There's nothing wrong with it. I also think Stetcher had a lot to do with that. Yeah, but they've been playing together all year, to be fair. Um, Adam, Kerr, Adam Kerr says, uh, is there a trade coming soon to the Red Wings? There's genuinely no way to know. Would love the Wings to sign Nugent Hopkins this offseason. Also, Dougie Hamilton. 
Um, I think Nugent Hopkins is more likely than Dougie. And Lynn Nix says, do you know where I can get a legit Redmond jersey delivered from? Uh, Rowan. Q Rowan. Rowan can probably help you with that. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We are going to be back with you on Wednesday. Uh, I think that'll be um, after Detroit's next game, which is against the Panthers to round out their Florida trip. So thank you again for tuning in. We'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, uh, Eve Bartell on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Brett Bailey, Taylor Tagel, uh, Ryan Hubbard, RA, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Bigums, uh, Big Bag of Snot and Nose Hair, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Hana Lee, Sam Bankson, uh, Kevin McCracken, Zach Van, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., uh, Brad Crisco's, um, let me see what the Brad Crisco's awful tape job, <laughs> Matt Keeler. Let's hold on, hold on, hold on. I have a lot of flaws in life that you can absolutely nitpick. Criticizing my tape job, how dare you? <laughs> G Smitty's big brass pair, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you guys so much. Uh, time to go make fun of Brad's tape job. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.